Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is the professor who knows with every ending comes a new beginning, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great, Andy. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm swell. Hey, we've got a guest star. We do. Today's guest star is Gina Marie Drop, who is a playwright, actor, director, and teacher who received her MFA in creative writing from the St. Ajeda Nasland and Karen Mann School of Writing at Spalding University, where she studied playwriting. Before pursuing her MFA, she studied improv and sketch writing in Chicago, uh, working with such major comedy institutions as the Second City and the Annoyance Theater. Before teaching college theater, she worked as a professional nanny and child care consultant, although I think not with gorillas specifically, uh, for, for many years, as well as hosting a nannying podcast called Giving Care. Uh, Gina Marie now teaches and directs at a liberal arts college in North Georgia, teaching Shakespeare, playwriting, acting, and voice and diction. Uh, She enjoys directing the Actors of Tomorrow in multiple shows a year, uh, most recently staging Ibsen's A Doll's House, uh, Delaps the Wolves, and an original play written by her devised theater class, And Then We Saw the Stars. Upcoming, Gina Marie has been commissioned to write the annual endowed TYA play for Young Harris College, which will premiere in the fall of 2023, and you can find her plays on New Play Exchange Welcome, Gina. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, we're excited to have you. Uh, you you picked the movie today. What what movie did you pick? Tarzan. And, Tarzan and from 1999. Pick, and why'd you pick Tarzan, Gina? What 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 is it about Tarzan that you like? I am really picky about Disney movies and which ones I like. I watch a lot, especially nannying. I watch a lot of Disney movies and a lot of animated films. But this is one that I always really enjoyed from my childhood, one that I watched a lot when I was a kid. And one thing that really makes a movie for me or brings me back is a soundtrack. And the soundtrack to Tarzan is epic. I think it's catchy. I think it sticks in your head. And I also think that the play between the music and the lyrics and the montage scenes throughout the movie kind of take it over the top for me. I also think there's a lot of nice character development that I don't have to do a lot of over explaining to the kids that I nanny. Whereas some Disney movies, I'm like, okay, so when we're growing up, I just want you guys to know that like, you can't change him. (laughs) Which parents are often like, what are you saying? Why are you pausing the movie? Why are you getting into this? I'm like, I just want them to know the realities of like this romantic situation. And I don't feel like I have to do that in Tarzan as much. (laughs) Fair fair enough. I, I, I think that's right. I think it does. I think it doesn't quite work that way. No, I'm really glad you picked this movie, Gina, um, because I had seen, like, it was one of those movies I put on for my kids but I never saw the beginning of it. I always saw kind of the middle where Tarzan and Jane were, you know, getting to know each other. And I watched the first half of half of it and I our first 30 minutes. And I, I, I kept telling Larry, Larry, I am sobbing. Like it is so, so big. So. I rewatched it most recently to prep for this. Cause I've been kind of going back to it since we talked about me coming on and joining you guys for this, for this movie. Uh, Two or three days ago, I rewatched it most recently, and I was crying. I was oh, genuinely yeah. crying in the beginning, especially when Kala comes in and takes him in her oh. arms. Well, let's. What a we... good movie for close to Mother's Day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're yeah, we're taping close to Mother's Day, aren't we? Okay. So key facts, we, Andy. We, what have you got? Well, yeah, for let's us? let's get into some key facts. So. There have been dozens of Tarzan movies. Uh, This is Disney uh, brings us the first animated version. And all of them are based on the 1912 story series Tarzan of the Apes, written by Edgar Rice Burroughs. I've read Uh, the first two books in the series, Andy, and I just want to warn our our listeners (laughs) out there. There is some problematic racist stuff in those books that thank goodness is not in this movie. Yeah, lots of eugenics and scientific racism and really, really awful stuff. So, uh, but for for all that, Tarzan was instantly popular in the 19, in 1912. 
it came out in a uh, a pulp magazine called The All Story. And Burroughs milks this story for all it's worth. Uh, he he puts together a series of stories. The hardback print comes out in, in June of 1914. There are a number of sequels to follow. There's a Tarzan comic strip. And a silent film is made in 1918 by the same title, Tarzan of the Apes. That movie is so popular, there are three sequels crafted in very quick succession. The Romance of Tarzan, The Son of Tarzan, The Adventures of Tarzan. And, uh, you know, this whole community springs up around this ranch that Burrow purchases uh, just north of Los Angeles, uh, which he calls Tarzana. And it's still there today, so you can go to Tarzana, right? Uh, the Tarzan silent serials were made until 1929, and in 1932, MGM does a talkie Tarzan the Ape Man with the star most people associate with Tarzan movies, Johnny Weissmuller. Now, because this isn't a silent film, we get to hear the signature Tarzan call as he swings through the jungle, uh, and we see some of the echoes of that in this Disney film. Uh, Weissmuller does 12 of these movies from 1932 to 1948 until he thinks he's a little too old and hangs up the loincloth. Uh, but again, the wild success of these movies generates even more movies from 1949 to 1968. And RKO, Paramount, MGM, even American International Pictures, they all get in on the action. Uh, everybody's making movies, everybody's making money from Tarzan. Uh, in 1981, there's a Tarzan movie with Bo Derek and Miles O'Keefe, and it doesn't do so well. But then Warner Brothers launches Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes in 1984. It gets Academy Award nominations. And of course, then 15 years later, uh, Disney has this version, and it does win an Oscar for Best Original Song. Movie has a budget of $130 million, brings in $448.2 million. So incredibly popular and i have to say this movie is gorgeous oh yeah uh, i mean yeah. we don't really talk about animation that that much on this podcast uh but visually the sequences uh beautiful and stunning uh this movie could come out today and we would be like yep this is this is as modern an animated movie as we've got uh mm -hmm. i I, it's, I it's great. I mean, it's uh, so they use this uh, 3D technique called deep canvas, which they use again in Atlantis and Treasure Planet. Yes. Um, so you start to see that all the things they've been learning up to this point is starting to really congeal. Uh, the animation team's working in three different locations, Paris, Burbank and Orlando. Uh, one, I think, I think they uh, they did like Jane in one place and Tarzan in another, and so they're sending all. The, yeah, it's crazy. So, and this is all without the internet, so they're doing a lot of courier work and uh, back and forth electronic, very rudimentary electronic changes. So it was really it's fun to read about. If you want to do a deeper dive, you should. Fair enough. Yep. So. Let's get into it. Uh, we begin, as we always do, with the Manish Tana, which is where we ask the question, why does this movie begin in the spot where it begins? Uh, and so I'm going to throw that question out to Andy and to Gina, and I'm going to say, where does this movie begin? And why do you guys think this movie begins at this particular spot? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll get going, but Gina alluded to it a little earlier uh, with the music, right? We have a music video. Uh, Phil Collins really serves as the musical narrator, a lot like The Lion King. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's so it's done so in tandem. I don't know that I've noticed it ever before watching it these most recent times or have seen it quite as much in other Disney films that came out similarly, the way that the lyrics go with the storytelling so much, it is exactly what you said, Andy, it's a music video. And I think that the reason that it starts where it does with this horrible sinking ship accident is to really set up this idea that he is for the audience to know that he is from outside of this world, outside of this continent and to set up the reveal 
that seems obvious to us, but is obviously very surprising to Tarzan later, that he is not, that he is adopted. He is not of the apes or that continent. And so we need to know that origin story of how he came to be in this place, even though it's a really sad, dark moment. I think that's right. And I think a big part is what I uh, just want to expand on what Gina's saying here. I think a big part of it is we enter Africa with baby Tarzan and his parents, right? Mm-hmm, We're not mm-hmm. there before him in the way in which some of these other movies are like man then intrude, like we're sitting there and then man intrudes. No, no, we're going into this world with Tarzan. He's going to be our guide, the person that we follow through all of this. I often talk about how we know what the inciting incident of a movie is when we have a character step into a new world. I don't think that's true here. I think we're still in exposition as baby Tarzan uh, and his parents come into Africa. But it still is a sign of a protagonist that we're following them travel from one place to another place. Uh, So I want to talk about the plot here, but I want to do it a little bit differently than we normally do. So normally I would be saying to you guys, hey, a lot of this movie is going to be exposition, and then we're going to have an inciting incident that's really going to start our story. But structurally, this movie functions a little bit differently. Uh, it's more right. like it's more in the tradition of Bambi, and and I would say probably yes. the Lion King uh, yeah. to a certain de- to a certain degree. In that we're not we're, there's a number of places where you could say there's an inciting incident. And I want to quickly mm-hmm. like number them out a little bit, but but none of them really is. We could say Tarzan and his parents coming to Africa is the inciting incident. But as I've said before, what happens to you when you're a baby is your exposition. Uh, right. It's the story that came before. We could argue Kala deciding to adopt Tarzan is the inciting incident. But again, Kala's not our main character. Tarzan is. Tarzan has no choice as to who he's adopted by or not adopted by. So then the movie flashes forward a little bit, and Tarzan is an adorable kid. Uh, Not quite a toddler, but it's really hard to pinpoint exactly the stage of development you're at socially when you grow up with gorillas. So, but, But he's a little kid. And we have a whole sequence in which he's trying to prove himself to the other gorillas, but ends up causing problems for the gorillas. That is also exposition, because it's explaining what his relationship to the other gorillas, and specifically Kerchak, is. So even though that is easily the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie, and those sequences are, I think, relatively self-contained, although they're giving us important information. All of that, I would lump together as exposition. I agree with you. Even the bit where Tarzan fights and kills Sabor, the, I think, leopard who has killed his parents, which feels Mm -hmm. like a big deal in that moment. That's, again, not the inciting incident, not even a climax. Uh, that's still exposition because after he's done that, we recognize whether Kerchak likes it or not, he's proven himself to a degree to to the to the other gorillas. Well, and and one thing that happens is that in that Manish Tana, we have another story. We have two stories going on at once. Sure, right? we've got Tarzan's origin story, but then we have Kala and Kerchak's loss. The story of the leopard murdering their baby, right? And so when Tarzan murders that leopard, right? I'm assuming it's the same leopard. I mean, I'd like to think it is it the is, same right? leopard. It's absolutely yeah, the same okay. leopard. Okay, okay. This time that sort of that sort of wrong gets gets righted. And so we see Tarzan as a hero and somebody that makes things right. Although it's so that and, whole and... that whole thing is gonna set up the next what I yeah what I think the inciting incident really is of the movie but it's almost like a a mini movie within a I agree movie and there's an olive branch when Tarzan offers Kerchak the leopards 
like dead body right as a peace offering between them that he wants to serve this community and be integrated and an asset to the community which comes right up to what I think you're about to say, Larry, right. is what feels like the real inciting incident it's that breaks down to happen. I just do want to point out one thing that I hadn't really realized that I'm realizing now. When Tarzan kills Sabor, he has no idea he's avenged his parents. He doesn't yeah. know that oh. backstory. He's just protecting the other gorillas. That's something the audience knows and can be satisfied and say, hey, this is a full circle kind of moment. He's also, by the way, uh, you know, sort sort of avenged uh, Kala and Kerchak's loss. Yeah, because they know they know it. They know this is the leopard. Like the, the community knows it, right? The, at least the adults. It do. is an act that he doesn't understand the full meaning of. And I would. Right. I. I mean, you could you could see a whole movie unpacking it in the killing of Sabor. He's he's offering Kerchak, I I have avenged your child, and I don't know that mm-hmm. Kerchak really knows that, or or or, or, or like Tarzan knows it. Kerchak probably knows it, but Tarzan doesn't. But then we have the real inciting incident that's going to start asking our dramatic question, and that inciting incident is, he said with a question mark. <laughs> The gunshot. There's a gunshot in the forest, which if you've watched mm-hmm. a lot of Disney movies, instantly throws you back to Bambi. Man Absolutely. has entered the forest. Man has entered the jungle. Uh, it, it, I definitely feel like that moment is a call and response to Bambi. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm projecting onto it? Or did you? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. And that, of course, is going to set up the of uh, that there are other humans, which now raises a dramatic question, because before when Kerchak was having issues with Tarzan, there was like this understanding that Tarzan is this freak, one of a kind thing that no one's ever seen before. Uh, and it wasn't really about like, would he ever betray the gorillas willingly? Like there's like a kind thing happening here in this movie. Uh, but but now it's going to raise the question, when Tarzan meets other humans, he's got a choice for the first time in his life. He could choose to not be with the gorillas. He could choose his own, he could choose his quote-unquote own kind over over the gorillas. And, and that divided loyalty is going to serve as sort of the dramatic question of this movie, I think. Right, right. Uh, moving us through plot, from here on in, there's not that much plot. There's a lot of character stuff, meaty character stuff. But the rising action here is Tarzan is spending a lot of times with the humans, specifically Jane, but also Clayton and the professor Archibald. Um, he's he's getting to know them and he's getting to love, love some of them, I would say. Uh, at the same time, the gorillas do not want, specifically Kerchak, does not want the gorillas to be endangered by these humans. And Tarzan's loyalty is being tested. Kerchak has, Kerchak is basically saying, are you one of us or are you one of them? Tarzan wants to be both. Mm-hmm. So I'll throw out to you, there's a couple of places where I think you might point to as the climax of this movie. Uh, often, There's a big climax, the action climax, where the forces of good and the forces of evil contend. But in this movie, I'm going to point out there are several places that might feel like the climax other than the big one. Can we start with the big one? What feels like the big action climax here? That's tough. I think that for me, the big climax moment feels like when they get to the boat, Tarzan agrees, and they get to the boat, and Jane and Tarzan are immediately imprisoned, and they realize that they are not in the loop as to what's really going on. Hmm. And there's this crisis moment that he's abandoned the community he's vowed to protect in their most vulnerable moment without relay. He puts it together. This is the way that I have unconsciously caused harm. Sure. I would I would say to you, I'm on that same line, Gina, but not that specific moment. 
I would go that the climax is the confrontation between Tarzan and Clayton, which begins with Clayton and the other hunters trying to catch the gorillas, Tarzan getting there, but ultimately right. gets to a place where it's Tarzan versus Clayton. But that's all that same thread, right? Right. It's a, it's definitely an extended climax for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I I feel like that is the action sequence. That's the action climax of the movie. What Andy and I have discovered, though, in doing uh, all these Disney movies is that really we feel there's an action climax, but there's also an emotional climax in a lot of these movies that isn't the same beat. And as much as the battle between Tarzan and Clayton is the most thrilling part of this movie, and it's definitely what we bought our tickets to see, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I would say there's probably a couple of moments that we might feel are the emotional climax here. And I, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering, where are you feeling the movie is most emotionally fraught, where the stakes aren't life and death, but the stakes are stakes of the heart of relationships? Well, I, I mean, I think I think when Kerchak dies, I think that is a life and death moment, actually. But um, but it is emotional, and Kerchak finally accepts Tarzan. And I, Tarzan has been looking for Kerchak's acceptance this entire movie, and Kerchak's been very, uh, you know, want to give it to him. So it 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 really seems that moment when he says you're you're in charge of the community is a is a really and passes the baton to Tarzan instead of another gorilla is a pretty big deal. I am... And he, yeah, after you, Gina. I was just saying, and he finally acknowledges him as his son. Right. He calls him his son for the first time. And right. gives him the mantle of leadership, right? Like, right. it's not just right. it's not just you're one of us. You're our leader. You're the new chief. I mean, there's and so much son, in right. that moment. The thing that surprised me upon this rewatching is I always think in the movie Tarzan, the most important relationship in the movie is going to be between Tarzan and Jane. And mm -hmm. the second like one in my head, I'm like, well, probably his relationship with his mother is a close second for me emotionally. But actually watching this movie this time, I, re I felt like as much as the soundtrack for this movie is great, and none of the songs are really diegetic. They're not the characters singing. It's it's people outside projecting this. If Tarzan right. had his Disney princess I want song, I feel like his I want would be I want Kerchak to see me as his son. Right. You know, that that more so, Jane comes on the scene relatively late in this movie, which which mm -hmm. sort of tells me like the real conflict here is between Kerchak and Tarzan. Another place I might point out as the climax is I might say Jane's decision to leave the boat and stay in Africa, because it looks like right. Tarzan and Jane are going to be apart forever. And right. and Jane makes the decision. The problem with that being the climax is Jane's not our protagonist. Not protagonist. That's right. Tarzan That's right. is. Um, and And of course, you know, but the movie... We don't really want Tarzan to leave Africa, so it's a necessity that Jane make that decision. We'd already seen Tarzan make the decision to leave Africa for England, um, and he's he can no longer make that decision. He's been tasked with leading leading the gorillas. It, it's not a choice for him anymore. So that choice kind of has to be relegated to Jane, right? There's a little bit What's of a so protagonist. No, go ahead, oh, Gina. Sorry, no, go, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was to say it's really important that he is given that leadership role because I feel that Tarzan doesn't really want to go to England and doesn't really understand the consequence of that. And the only reason that I think he does make that decision, I mean, obviously he has feelings for Jane and is intrigued by his species outside of being a gorilla or an adopted gorilla. But there's also nothing holding him here there because of the fraughtness of his relationship with Kerchak and that he's never going to have that kind of quote unquote ladder to climb in that community because he's not fully immersed. And so it's important that he has that bestowed on him so that he can follow his true desire to be a part of that community and say, and reject like going to humans. Cause that's not really what I think he wants. Yeah. If Tarzan, interesting. yeah. If Tarzan leaves, right. He's going to reject not only his mother, but he's also going to reject Kerchak's mantle. 
He right? can't the go anymore. He's wanted this whole time. He can't go. And right. he, I don't know that and, he ever really wanted to. He wanted to be with Jane. And we all know how, like, because of his naivete, because he doesn't understand what what it's like in, you know, this, uh, in England, or, or it is England, right? Yeah, London. In? Um, yeah, yeah, London. Like, he doesn't understand that at all. We understand that for him. Uh, and we all know it's going to be a, it would be a terrible disaster. Uh, and I think Jane knows that in her heart of hearts, too. I I think she does. Um, all right. And then we have a little bit of falling action, which is more like swinging action. We see that not only is like Tarzan leading the gorillas swinging from vine to vine, but Jane is now similarly dressed to Tarzan. Uh, and also swinging vine to vine, and even Professor Archibald is like in a thong, swinging from vine to vine. A happy family of humans and gorillas and an elephant coexisting together in the jungle. A happy ending. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've got to say about plot. Before we go- jump into character, Andy, I want to say something yeah. about this movie being rated G. Yes, so, I was going to bring that up. Okay. <laughs> Please edit. So last week we did The Princess Diaries, and Andy and mm-hmm. I found that movie, well, one of us was very cruel, and one of us was very measured to that movie, and I, sus- I suspect you'll be able to figure out which one of us was cruel and which one, which one was <laughs> trying to be kind to it. But we talked a- about at length at how that movie has no bite in it. Because it's right. rated G, they're afraid to ever really make us feel any threat of any Definitely kind. Definitely pulling punches. Definitely Every single time. By the yeah. same token, yeah. I think you can do more with a G-rated movie. How the heck is Tarzan rated G? I, <laughs> off the top of my head, because I'm going to miss some things. We have a... I was going to say, I have a list. <laughs> A baby monkey gets devoured by a leopard. Another baby's parents are killed by that same leopard, and we see the bloody trail leading to their body. That same baby human is repeatedly endangered by that leopard and only saved by, by the good graces of a gorilla. The gorilla father figure in this gets shot and killed by a hunter on screen. This is not Bambi's mother where it's implied. We see the gunfire. We see yep. the bullets get embedded. We watch him die and he suffers. And right. the villain gets hung by vines and we mm-hmm. and his neck snaps and we see the shadow of his hung body in silhouette. <laughs> What's what's a movie got to do to get a PG rating here? <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, that pretty much covers my list. There were some. I think the this was the first time I noticed the parents' bodies, and then the silhouette of Clayton, and I was a little bit shook. I was like, "Did we really just see that?" I so. I love this movie. I would just change the rating. I wouldn't change the movie. I'd change the rating on this. I think there is a happy medium between pulling your punches in The Princess Diary and this level of... I mean, I don't want to say like it's the most violent thing I've ever seen because, of course, I've seen R-rated movies. But but for an animated movie... I mean, Mulan killed people, but I didn't see it. You know, it's, it's definitely it's definitely intense, and I, you know, like Bambi is rated G, right? And Bambi's mother, the death of Bambi's mother, we hear the gunshot, but that's all we get, and we and, never see her body. You know, yeah, no, no, I, yeah, it, this is this is it's, far it more. Seems, graphic. It's it does it does seem rather arbitrary, doesn't it? Yeah, like the G rating. I I just so. wonder. I wonder if they were like ah Disney animated movie G. We don't even have to watch it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Oh. I think Toy Story, which comes out the same year, is PG. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Really? I might be wrong on that. I don't okay. know. Okay. I don't know. I just made that up, wow. but it could be true. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's let's dig into characters a little bit. Let's talk about um, Tarzan, played by uh, Alex Lentz as the 
little Tarzan and then Tony Goldwyn, who I love a lot um, and who is the lead on this. What do we think? I have I I have a thought here. I, I want to throw it out there. I wouldn't have mind uh, minded a whole baby Tarzan movie. I wouldn't have minded if we just stayed with young Tarzan that whole movie, sort of like the Jungle Book with Mowgli, uh, kind of way. I thought he was adorable. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that the other part of the movie isn't good. I I think I always say this. I would rather Simba stay a baby. I would rather <laughs> Bambi stay a baby. Why do these kids got to grow up so fast? I only get two hours with them. <sighs> I um, know, it's rough. <laughs> it is rough. But I, I think he's delightful as a kid. As an adult, I enjoyed him. I enjoyed how, while socially he's not a human being, um, we know what he's thinking and feeling, even though his body language is not our body language, and his his speech patterns are not our speech patterns. They're not our speech patterns. But one thing that I think this movie does really well in honoring Tarzan as an adult is his unbelievable yet entertaining intelligence. Mm -hmm. This man goes from speaking only to animals to learning English, doing some like C-spot run, hooked on phonics education in like a three-day turnaround and then speaks the English language, which I think is brilliant and amazing. But I, I like that it lends itself to this idea that he is very intelligent and a fast learner. And that is something that he gained from having to live in, in the jungle mm-hmm. and adapt to that space. So I like seeing that version of him as an adult, but I agree with you, Larry. I think him as a child, the strife is so relatable that I do wish there was more of that. Cause I think it's important for kids to see stuff like that, that uh, the, the struggle with identity and his finding a place to belong. Is he a part of this community? Isn't he, will he be accepted? And that, relationship with his adoptive mother i think is really important and i love the character i think he's really well drawn and kind of endearing yeah so, rooting for him the whole time that's important absolutely so as an adoptive mom like my kid i ran this by my kids i'm like what do you think they're like this is the movie about adoption this we yep. identified with tarzan so much um he uh he's always wondering why he's so different look at me and, you know, his mother says, well, you have two eyes and you have this and you're like me. And then he makes the decision that he's going to be the best ape ever. Right. He's going to do what it takes to be the best ape ever. And even though we all know that's not going to work out for him, like completely, you can see why he wants that because he's loved by that ape community well. And you can see why he's going to be torn to leave it. So it's it's. It's really good. I, it's really, really good. I want to th- And the moment where the moment where his mother, where Kala, when he gets Kala in a second, takes him back and tells him his origin story. Oh my goodness. There there's something I keyed into Tarzan here. And I don't I don't know that I'm getting unpacking the metaphor artfully here. But I think there's a there's this weird space in which Tarzan represents um like the ideal of manhood, but mm-hmm. also the idea of uh, like representing disability in in this yes. in this movie because he does. We see early on in the movie his physical body will not allow him to do the things that the gorillas in his community can do. Correct, and yet he like and for us like I wish I had Tarzan's body. Maybe not his posture. Like I feel like in later life, later life he's going to have some back problems. But but overall, I would like that physique, right? Like so, he's the ideal. Right. But at the same time, in the community within with, with which with which he's been raised, he's got some significant disadvantages that he overcomes. And I think we can we can look to him as as someone who's overcome the limitations of his of his body, but also someone who's the ideal. He occupies both spaces at the same time. And piggybacking off of what Gina said earlier, he is a genius. Because mm-hmm. the thing we see in one of those montage sequences is him discovering tools that allow him to compensate for the physical disadvantages he has among the other gorillas. 
Right. And you have to be like, we often think of Tarzan as dumb, right? Or I, maybe I do. Mm-hmm. Maybe I do. Like he's, you know, because he's uncivilized. In fact, he's brilliant. He's right. He, he would have been the person who discovered tools and brought them back to the rest of us. Right. I like right. Tarzan a lot this time. Oh, it's good. It's a good movie. Let's One go. thing, yeah. this is just a funny um, side note. One thing that I noticed going off of what Larry said about Tarzan obviously being in great shape, keeping up with the monkeys. I was thoroughly entertained by the animation. Even when Tarzan dons his father's suit, they kept like the quad definition 100%. Mm-hmm, and I right. just found that really entertaining they were like no we have to maintain that this man is in the best shape of any character ever even in slacks it has to be that way and i that was just something i think that was one of the most entertaining parts of the movie to me the last go around ah so good let's talk about kala uh glenn close does an incredible job here i can really feel her heart uh beating on the screen i wondered what y'all thought she kind of is like a secondary protagonist for the early parts of the movie. Um, the real the real thing with... Uh, so, and we like her, and we sympathize with her, um, and we also see how she kind of chooses Tarzan over Kerchak, right? Mm-hmm. But, but there's also this bit where she offers to Kerchak for Kerchak to be Tarzan's father. Uh, you know, Kerchak says compassionately, this will never replace the child that we've lost. And Kala says, I know, because Kala's not delusional. She knows what she's going through at this moment, but she also knows this baby needs her or it'll die. Mm -hmm. And she also knows she needs to love. And and that's important. But this was the interesting thing. She also knows that Kerchak needs to love. And mm-hmm. Kerchak rejects the opportunity that she presents for him. And the expression on her face is not hurt and betrayal. I read it as, I'm so sad for you. Because I yeah. see the way out of our depression th- is through expressing it through love. And you're not in that place. I hope you can get there and love love our son. Our, and mm-hmm. And it's such a complicated relationship. Kerchak takes it as Kala choosing Tarzan over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kala, Kala ultimately does, but she wants to choose both of them. Right. Right. Let's talk about Kerchak for a minute. Uh, Lance Hendrickson. I, Larry, in pre-production, you mentioned that you thought he was depressed. I, I think Kerchak... I, I didn't necessarily catch this the first couple of times I've watched this movie. I definitely think Kerchak is suffering from depression. And what we're seeing from him in this movie, when he's... Look, we all know he's correct. The gorillas should stay away from the humans if they can. Um, Tarzan messes up a few times and Kerchak reprimands him. And of course, Kerchak is right to do it. But you know who else messes up? Turk. Like all the time. But Uh Kerchak is in this hyper vigilant state. He wasn't able to save his son. And now the burden of making sure that every single person is safe at all times and taking no risks, he's got to keep them all alive, all protected, all safe, all the time. Uh And the burden of that has cost him everything. And I don't like when he's looking at Tarzan and he's upset with Tarzan, he's constant. I just can't help but feel he's constantly reliving what happened to the little gorilla that he and Kala uh-huh. gave birth to. And I, I, I do. I, I, I would say like Kerchak needs therapy. <laughs> and maybe some uh, delegation of responsibility. Sure. Because he is taking on the burden of 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 his community and being that sole provider of protection. I think one of the best moments for Kerchak in this moment is when he's redeemed, we get frustrated with him because he rejects Tarzan at the start. Or at least I did. Sure. I got kind of frustrated. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> Just love him. He's a little baby. Uh, but Kerchak is redeemed 
for me in this moment where the elephant stampede comes through and he dives in to save the other mother gorilla's baby. Right. And he risks everything. He's constantly putting his life on the line. He puts his life on the line, jumps right into the uh, fight with Sabor. And that burden is eating him. But also, I agree with you, Larry, this depression of losing a child and not knowing how to cope with that, because that is part of the animal kingdom, but also devastating for him and Kala. I also think that there is like some, uh, oh, I can't think of the word. This is so upsetting. Foiling between Kerchak and Tarzan that Kerchak also is a lot more knowing than I think most audience is giving him credit for because he immediately knows that the humans are a threat. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, they, some of them look and see Tarzan looking like these other humans and maybe might have trust for them. And Kerchak immediately knows this is a dangerous situation. He's not wrong. But I mean, that moment where you, that you pointed out where he like throws himself between the other gorilla and the baby that that in that moment, I'm like, mm-hmm. he's reliving it again. Be- yep. He relaxed his he relaxed his guard for one night and the worst tragedy happened. And now he's at this place where he would give his life to save any of the other gorillas because that's what he should have done in the first place. And right. yet the person he gives his life for is ultimately Tarzan, right? Right. And, and you know, by rejecting Tarzan the whole time, he's rejecting his own feelings of loss. Yeah. He's not he's not processing it. And Tarzan's presence is is a reminder that he failed. It's it's the wound. Right. Tarzan yeah. is yeah. there because yeah. his child is not. Right. It's so again. So meaty. So typical so meaty. for a G rated movie. Right, guys? Like. <laughs> No difference between this and Mickey climbing the beanstalk because he's hungry. Uh, depression takes many forms. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about uh, Turk, uh, Rosie O'Donnell's character, uh, the comic relief, I guess. Kind of unnecessary, I think. Yeah, why so? How so? I mean, I mean, Turk. Turk is like the comic relief character, and. The movie does spend a lot of time on, like, is that friendship a real friendship or is it a friendship mm-hmm. of convenience because Tarzan can do, Tarzan's just been waiting around for humans to show up. But when that, when that fray happens, I never really am like, oh, poor Turk, you've been left behind. They don't, mm-hmm. it's like, Turk, do you not realize, <laughs> like, how low, like, Turk is a very selfish friend in that way. I, I, I mean, that's how I see it. Like Tarzan finally a, has a chance. Turk's a player. Yeah. A player. Yeah. I, I mean, like, like, like we want to get rid of, we want to get rid of Tarzan. Oh, what do we do? Oh, you can find an elephant hair. How about that? Right. And so, yeah, I think Turk just kind of, oh, I'm going to, oh, here's Kirk checks angry. I'm just going to be charming. Right. I'm going to do whatever it takes to just. Turk strikes me down the as, situation. A, as a poor man's Timon. I would rather have Timon any day than I'd rather have Turk. I don't I don't dislike Turk. I just don't think about her much. I think that's interesting. I do think Turk is a selfish character and a selfish friend, but also Tarzan's entry point into the community and understanding how to navigate it better as a child. Mm-hmm. And I also think that there is this interesting element to Turk being a girl. Yes. But looking different than the other female gorillas that are more brown in Mm -hmm. their fur color, whereas Turk looks more masculine Mm -hmm. and plays around more masculine. And so there's almost this being on the periphery of their community in this sense that it's a tomboyish girl that is also up against these struggles, being too mischievous and getting into a lot of trouble and they they find that common ground of being unlike in their diff- in that way interesting. too which i think is interesting uh, that I, is interesting i think if you're a kid watching this movie you might think turk is a boy and, and oh get i did absolutely yeah, sure sure um 
which which hey maybe maybe there's something to be said for like Turk being some non non-binary representation there. I I would I would yeah. love for that to have been intentional. I I doubt it was intentional, but but right. I I would love I would love for us to be able to say that. Hmm. Well, let's talk about Jane, uh, Mini Driver, who gives a great performance. I love her conflict with Clayton from the outset. Yes. Uh, and that just that conflict just grows and grows and grows because it's obviously they're they're different. You know, the humans are there for different reasons and purposes. Now, Jane is not considered to be a Disney princess. She's not part of the Disney princess brand. And yet, I have to tell you, she's one of the better female characters, stronger female characters in these movies. You could see Alice from Alice in Wonderland growing up to be Jane. I think mm. she's she's curious. She's willing to go on this adventure. She is driven by intellectual academic goals. She would write the books that Belle would only read. Right. Belle would sit. And, ah, interesting. Belle would have a book about Jane's adventures. She'd sit. She'd read it. She'd sigh and think, I want to be Jane. I think. I. What do you think about that? I mean. She's, I do like that she's not a Disney princess type character. She is not afraid to kind of get dirty and is intelligent too. I think that that is one of my favorite parts of Tarzan is that these are smart characters that don't shy away from their sense of exploring and adventure and interest in learning things outside of themselves. And also her respect when they make landfall and are exploring this this new territory there she's very respectful her and her father both are very respectful mm-hmm. of keeping a distance and trying to understand she wants to learn the language and so i think that there she has great appeal on being a female character and joining this this world and also is outspoken in some points with uh, Clayton, which I think is nice. Well, I think her father too em- em- empowers her to be who she. I mean, they're partners in this oh, yes. expedition. It's not like he he really sees her. I think as an equal, which Colleague. given the time, yeah, yeah, given the time frame, I think is she refreshing. She's artistic. She's knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. She's curious, and I think. She's an artist, right? Yeah. Most most importantly of all, she's not here to find a man. She is here yeah. to pursue her own goals and her father's goals. But he could have left her at home, right? If she didn't want to mm-hmm. be there, she wouldn't be there. She's there because she wants this adventure. And ultimately, mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, when she decides to not go back to England, I don't think, look, if it was me, and I met my 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 soulmate in Africa, but I had to live with the gorillas and swing from the trees. I'm going back to London, guys. I hate mosquitoes. <laughs> it's <laughs> indoor Hilarious. plumbing. Indoor plumbing triumphs over the heart, I think. It's just that's the way that it is for me. But when Jane makes the other choice, my thought is, this is actually where she belongs. She's probably yeah. an outcast in London where everyone's like, you know, she's got the right manners, but she's clumsy and, and, or she's constantly talking about like her adventures in Africa and her desire to see far off places. She's not a true lady. She belongs here. This is not just cause Tarzan's here. This is. And I feel, I feel like they're going to, you know, take that Swiss family Robinson house that uh, Tarzan's parents and fix built it up in the beginning and fix it up. Uh, Spoiler, they yeah. in in the sequels uh, and uh, the animated not, series. I've not, I've not seen the sequels or the animated series, so that's pretty awesome. Um, I do think, though, that when Jane enters the picture, the movie starts to have a little bit of a protagonist problem. Sure. In that we start hanging out with Jane more than Tarzan because we got to deal with her exposition and we've got to deal with why they're there to begin with. And, you know, so it's almost like we take a little bit of time out there. Um, Understandably makes sense, but sometimes because of that omniscient uh, point of view, that godlike view that we get Tarzan's omitted, he's not on the page and we get more Jane. So 
We don't see Tarzan. And, we don't see Jane through Tarzan's eyes. We get to meet Jane on our own, which we start to start to lose a little momentum, I think, at some point. Yeah. I think that's so right. It's interesting because it's almost like it restarts the movie. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that, it, that late inciting incident causes this, like, mirroring of another character making landfall coming in on the ship and navigating this place. And because the humans are the inciting incident, I think what happened with this movie is I'd forgotten the first 40 minutes where those humans aren't there. I think it just disappeared from my brain because the movie doesn't really get going till they're there, even though those early sequences are also great. Powerful, Mm -hmm. powerful stuff. Okay, let's talk about Clayton. Um, He shoots first, he asks questions later. Clayton is one of those characters who I think the vocal quality of the voice acting is so amazing that you forget that actually he's got the most trivial motivations and is actually a boring character. Um, Like, the voice is so expressive and nuanced and intelligent. But like, does a great job, yeah. At the end of the day, this dude is here to catch some gorillas, and it's not that complicated. Um, I don't know. So this, I'll throw out this. I, I found this interesting. The first line of dialogue, he says, it's half muted because we're in Tarzan's perspective and we're hearing it from a way off. But as he's mm-hmm. cutting through the reeds, he's saying, Africa was created for a man like me. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And so we know he's I mean, he has his own evil agenda from the outset, eh? I mean, I mean, what what is he saying? He's saying I have dominion. Uh, here I am a god, basically, mm-hmm. is what he's saying. I can reshape this land the way I want. And that's kind of the foiling between him and Tarzan. Tarzan changes mm-hmm. himself to belong in this place. And Clayton sees this place and is like, I am going to turn this into what I want it to be a hunting preserve. Or maybe not even a hunting preserve, <laughs> maybe just hunting. It's, uh, I, so yeah. I mean, that's. Can I tell you guys something interesting about Clayton from the books? Sure. In yeah. in the books, Clayton is Tarzan's best friend. Uh, Clayton and Jane arrive at the same time, and just as Tarzan sometimes saves Jane's life, he saves Clayton's life, and Clayton is like, "You and I." We'll be friends forever. We will always save each other's lives. Sometimes he goes on adventures just with Clayton. But there's a reveal in the book that is pretty... Okay, I got some good stuff here for you on this. So, in the book, we find out Clayton is actually wealthy. But the reason he's wealthy is his aunt and uncle and cousin mysteriously disappeared on a shipwreck. And that caused him to inherit all of their wealth. Uh, It's all going to come to him someday. Not not that he planned it. It was a tragedy in his life. And Tarzan hears this story, and Tarzan figures out that Clayton is actually living his life. How interesting. To the point where at the end of the book, Tarzan realizes if he told Clayton who he was, Clayton would give him everything uh, that, that... Tarzan has, because, you know, English gentlemen, you know, honor and all of that. And instead, he encourages Jane to marry Clayton so that she can have the life that he would have given her in that other world. Clayton and Jane leave Africa together and get married, even though in her heart of hearts, she loves Clayton platonically, but loves Tarzan in a more romantic way. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so what I'm saying is Disney does Clayton dirty here. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a much it's a much more comp uh, less complicated. We can just hate this dude. He wants to shoot gorillas. Well, and and that's important. I think I think if we were ha- have that kind of nuance, we you know we we need some more black and white with this. Oh sure. I think I think Clayton makes a good foil. I I th- I think he does. And- there's some it's interesting too that we see the naivety as smart as Jane and her father are they were naive and don't have all the facts of this person who's supposed to be I guess protecting them but has ulterior motives that they have no idea about and even though I'm not a dumb person 
There's a moment when they get on the boat and Tarzan and Jean get and, and the professor all get captured. And Clayton comes onto the scene going, what's going on here? And even though I know this dude is drawn like a bad guy and is a bad guy and all of that, in that one moment, that one line delivery makes me go, maybe Clayton has nothing to do with this. Maybe this is not maybe this is not him. And again, with that G rating, right? Because Clayton Clayton paints himself to be, I mean, he's been in on this the whole time. He knows exactly what's going on. And the fact that he's that evil is um, it's pretty wild. Want to hear something fun? One more fun thing about Clayton. I'm okay. sorry. This will be my last fun okay. thing about Clayton. It okay. isn't Tarzan that kills Clayton. It's the jungle that does it. Oh, it's the vine. No, oh, in that's this movie. true. You're it's right. Tarzan. Tarzan tries to stop it. He says, yes. he's like calling out, Clayton, Clayton, no. Yes. And it, it is. He can't prevent it. It is Clayton has declared war on the jungle. But in point of fact, it is the it is the jungle that takes him out, not Tarzan. Mm. So mm. You, you want to talk some theme, God versus uh, man versus nature, man versus God there. Uh, Clayton's on the retribution. Wrong, yeah. Right? Clayton's yeah. on the wrong side of all of that. I like that. That's oh, smart. Sure. That is smart. Well, let's let's do a pitch. It keeps Tarzan, you know, kind and empathetic. It does, doesn't it? Tarzan's a peacemaker. I like that about him. He wants the humans and the gorillas to get along. He wants everybody to get along. Right. So good. Okay, pitch time. Uh, Given the 9,000 Tarzan movies uh, (laughs) that are out in the ethos, including... Disney's Tarzan 2, Tarzan and Jane, the Disney animated series. What would we do with this material? Who wants to go first? Because I really like, and I think I'm drawn to the most, is the dynamics of and seeing this animal kingdom through Tarzan's eyes. Like, we hear them speaking in English, but we know it's because Tarzan speaks gorilla, is kind of a prequel-esque a storyline of the rising of Kerchak to being mm. the silverback chief of this and the dynamics of, of that life and that community pre-Tarzan is kind of what I'm interested in the most. And the relationship be- before Tarzan brings like the elephants in and now we have like this crossover of species being friends. So what is that that community and that that jungle life like pre-Tarzan. Oh, that's fun. I like it. That's really good. Good work. I like it. Uh, a plus. I kind I kind of have two. One is one is half-baked. Okay. Here's the half-baked one. One thing that okay. occurs to me with Tarzan is you can always tell the story of Tarzan, but have the outside world be whatever you want it to be. So you could do like we're starting in Tarzan, we're starting in the jungle, we're we're out there. Uh, did I just steal something from you, Andy? No, keep, no, keep rolling. Keep rolling. Um, but then the reveal is when when the humans come, when the humans come, it is the 26th century. It's it's or it's Buck Rogers age or the humans have gone extinct and the robots come in. And and like but but by changing the outside world that's intruding on the jungle, you could get something different out of it. Mm-hmm. But my pitch instead is Disney. I want an expanded jungle verse. The stories of Tarzan, The Jungle Book, Swiss Family Robinson, what if they're all happening in the same place at the same time? And we can have Tarzan teaming up with Blue and and maybe maybe um we see Turk get captured by the youngest Robinson kid. Uh I, I think we could and, and and maybe maybe you know Captain Jack Sparrow sail, sails in for a bit. I I think I think there is some fun in sort of the idea of a league of extraordinary jungle ad, adventurers. That we could do. Oh yeah. Uh, what was the name? What was the name of that club in um, Pleasure Island, Andy? The the real Pleasure Island, the one in Disney World. Was it the Adventurers Club? I think it was the Adventurers Club. Yeah, I, right. I think we could wrap Tarzan into that pretty nicely. For sure. Okay, here's my pitch: uh, Tarzan and a time machine. Because I th- really think it's. I looked at all the Tarzan movies. I'm like, the only thing he hasn't done has been in a time machine. And I guess that goes with your first idea, Larry. We could just, you know, stick him in a time machine, put him in different spaces, see how he, 
See how he does. Sure. Tarzan <laughs> in space. Right. In space. In space, no one can hear you go, oh, 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 oh. Exactly. That's, that, is, that would be problematic. That would be problematic. Gina, thank you so much for bringing this movie and for joining our podcast. You are a, a fan and a friend, and we're so grateful you're here today. Oh, thank you so much. I had a great time, and I am so glad I finally got to come and join you guys for a conversation. I love this podcast, Yay. and I hope that everyone enjoyed this episode. Me oh, yeah. I'm sure for they did. sure. Yes. What movie are we tackling next week, Larry? It's one of your favorites, I think, Andy. I don't it know is. that I actually have a memory of seeing it, although I think I think I must have, right? The Apple Dumpling Gang. We're doing the Apple yes. Dun- Dumpling Gang. To be very, so 1970s, uh, I remember seeing this movie at the drive-in, I think, when I was a really little kid and just laughing a lot. And so a lot of physical comedy. I think we're going to enjoy that. Oh, good. Lot, I'm I excited. Hope. I'm we'll excited. See, we'll see if it holds. We'll see if it holds up. I mean, I also <laughs> went on record on thinking I'm really going to enjoy The Princess Diaries. And Lord, was I wrong about that. So, but, but I've got, I've got good vibes for Apple Dumpling Gang. Fingers crossed. Let's see Well, let's see if three-year-old Andy's tastes hold up. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page or drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, friends, see you real soon. Uh, 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 uh.